This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Well, as I said, my name is James and I'm one of the pastors here at Anchor. And thank you so much for tuning in uh, for church this morning. It's my privilege to be closing out our series, Deconstructing God. Well, over the past five weeks, we've looked at some of the big topics, some of the big questions, which can lead to people uh, having doubts about their faith and often ends up in them deconstructing. We've looked at topics like dealing with doubt, uh, violence in the Old Testament, uh, what does the Bible say about hell, as well as topics like suffering and the goodness of God and the Christian sex ethic. Well, this morning, I'm closing out our series with another message, which is perhaps not so intellectual, um, but is definitely very personal and emotional. And this topic is what to do when the church fails you. Deconstruction is the gradual process of picking apart and disassembling your faith until sometimes you end up walking away from God altogether. But what if deconstruction isn't only caused by questions about certain topics or specific aspects of belief? What if deconstruction is also caused sometimes by negative experiences that we have with people in the church? What should you do if you feel like the church has failed you? In my experience, deconstruction does often include doubts about you know, particular topics, um, but it's often further propelled along by a negative experience that we have be that with someone in the church, a friend perhaps, or even a church leader. It can happen when people have initial questions, which are not necessarily unhealthy or inappropriate in and of themselves, but the sharing of these with people in the church can be met with judgment or hypocrisy. It can also happen because of the sinful behavior and hypocrisy from the church in general. You know, as both a young adult in the church and someone who's spent a decent amount of time working behind the scenes of a church, I've seen this happen countless times. Whether it's genuine questions about the Bible's view on sexuality, which are met with judgmental words, or perhaps an insensitive or clumsy conversation with someone struggling to understand and reconcile their personal experience of suffering, deconstructing Belief in God only gains momentum when we sin against one another and when we feel failed by one another. I've seen people walk away from the church and then from Jesus, not necessarily because of questions they have about suffering or sexuality or science or history or any of those things, but rather because of the way they were treated by Christians when they shared these doubts and questions. I've seen people genuinely wrestling to reconcile their love of practicing gay friends and family members with what they believe God's word says. I've seen them begin to distance themselves from their Christian beliefs and their church family after witnessing Christians making unloving, sweeping statements about their loved ones. I've seen people leave the church and then walk away from God altogether as they doubt everything that the church ever taught them because of conflicts in the church that were totally outside of their control. I've seen people walk away because of decisions made by leadership, which were 
not initiated by them, but had a direct impact on, on them. I've sat and talked with friends who feel like they were the collateral damage of church decisions and unhealthy leadership that left them questioning the goodness of God. If you're watching this and you're currently deconstructing because you feel like the church has failed you, or if any of those examples hit a chord with you, I wanna say, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. That is not okay. And nothing that I'm about to say in this message is an excuse for what's happened to you. But I hope that through this message, you'll find healing and some sense of hope for future direction. If you need help or support in your journey, if any of this is hitting a chord and you find that at the end of this message, you'd like to talk to someone about it a bit more, feel free to inbox us or DM me at James Chris Wong on Instagram. So what should you do when the church fails you? Is deconstructing the only option? Is walking away from your church family and perhaps walking away from Jesus altogether the only thing that you can actually do? Well, no. This morning, I wanna suggest that there are two things that you should strongly consider doing if you're in this position. The first is to remember what the church is and isn't. Turn with me to Luke chapter five, starting in verse 27. We're gonna read a little bit. Starting in verse 27, it says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, in this scene, Jesus is being criticized by the Pharisees for eating and drinking with people that they deemed were dirty, sick, and immoral. And Jesus' reply says, this is what he says. He says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He goes on to say, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, these are the kind of people that Jesus came for. These are the kind of people that Jesus calls. These are the kind of people that make up the church. And so if we take Jesus at his word from this passage, we learn that the church is full, not of these morally upright people who are selfless all the time and never hurt one another. No, the church is full of unhealthy people who need a doctor. Sinners who've been called to repentance. As the author and speaker Jefferson Bethke says, church isn't a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken. Church isn't a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken. And broken people hurt people. Now please hear me clearly when I say that the brokenness of people in the church or leading the church is not an excuse for them failing you. It doesn't make it okay. Jesus came for the sick and for the sinner, but he didn't intend us to stay this way. No, the passage says that he calls us to repentance. 
And so we ought to be growing in godliness every day, becoming more selfless and seeking to love one another. Having a sinful nature, as we all do, is not an excuse for sinning against one another. But my point is this. We shouldn't be surprised when we encounter brokenness in the church. We shouldn't be shocked when someone hurts us or we encounter hypocrisy. Why? Because hypocrisy is okay? No, not at all. But because we're all broken. On some level, all of us are broken and all of us are hypocrites. You see, if Jesus came for the sick and the sinner, then that's who we were. Our brokenness, not our righteousness or our inherent goodness, is why we need God's grace. And while Jesus, his spirit is renewing us and making us more like him each and every day, trusting in him did not instantly remove all of our baggage and make us emotionally whole people overnight. Walking through the doors of the church did not magically make you this moral, selfless person, incapable of hurting other people. You see, when we heap the expectations of the new creation onto the church in this day, we're crushed and we're disappointed. The church is supposed to be an image of heaven, a glimpse of heaven, but it is not heaven. The church on earth is never promised to be perfect or mess-free. Only, you only have to look at Paul's letters in the New Testament to see this. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, spends about half of his letters encouraging, exhorting, commanding and instructing Christians, people like you and I, on how to love one another better, on how to be the church and embody the love of Christ. You see, if we were going to be perfect, if we were going to be mess-free as a community, then Paul would never have needed to write those things. But he does because he knows, he recognizes that we are all works in progress. We are a beautiful community, but we are still a broken community. So when the church fails you, remember what it is and what it isn't. Remember that it's beautiful, but it's also broken. And don't be surprised when you encounter the brokenness that Jesus died for. So what should you do when the church fails you? Remember what the church is and what it isn't. And secondly, don't throw Jesus out with the bathwater. Don't walk away from God. Don't lose your faith on the basis of the actions of other people. Don't let the bad or negative things that you've experienced in the church color your whole picture of who Jesus is. You see, often Christians walk away from God because of a bad experience that they've had in the church. And I, I get it. The church is supposed to represent God. It's supposed to show what he's like. It's supposed to reveal his heart. But as we've just discussed, the church is also still really messy. The church is still also full of broken people who often stuff up. So don't let the actions of imperfect people cause you to walk away from the God who loves you unconditionally. Don't treat Jesus like that telco company that you cancel your contract with because of bad service 
or that restaurant or shop that you stopped going to because of those rude employees. Jesus is so much greater than those things. He's so worthy. He's so beautiful. And he loves you so much. It's simply a mistake to walk away from him because of the negative experiences that we face in the church. Have a read or a listen to what it says in Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2, particularly about what it has to say about who Jesus is to you. It says in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. This passage is an encouragement by the writer of Hebrews to Christians to persevere in their faith by fixing their eyes on Jesus. And did you notice the description of Jesus in these verses? He's described as the pioneer and perfecter of faith. You see, Jesus is the one who pioneered your faith. He started it. He initiated it by dying for you on the cross in your place so that you could be forgiven. Even the faith that you have in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, even that faith that you possess is itself a gift from God. See, Jesus pioneers your faith. And it says Jesus is the one who perfects your faith. Jesus is the one who works in you by his spirit to make you more and more like him every day. He's the one who enables you to persevere in godliness and to hold on to your faith when it's difficult. If you're a Christian and you've walked away or are in the process of walking away from God because of negative experiences in the church, I want to gently challenge you this morning to remember who your faith is in and why you became a Christian in the first place. It's not the church who pioneered your faith. It's Jesus. And it's not the church who perfects your faith. It's Jesus. You see, the church is beautiful. And when it's healthy, it's full of opportunity to bless you and to give you purpose and meaning and a place to belong. But it's not the church that saved you. It's not the church that gives you eternal life. It's not the church that will always love you unconditionally. No, Jesus was, is, and always will be the answer. He's the only one who can save. He's the only one who can satisfy our souls truly. He's the only one who, when we put our hope in Him, we will never be disappointed. Remember that it's Jesus, not the church, who is the object of your faith. So don't abandon your faith in Him because of the church's failings. But if you're in that place right now, if you're in that place where you're hearing this message this morning and you feel like the church has failed you, what else can you do? What are some practical steps that you can take to move forward in your life and in your faith? Well, I want to give you a few practical steps now. And the first is this. Bring it to God. 
bring it to God. When we're hurting, when the pain is raw and real and we feel like people have wronged and sinned against us, bringing it to God is one of the first and best things that we can do. Lament and cry out to Him. Express how you feel. Pour out your heart before Him, remembering that He's your Father and He cares for you. But don't just go to God to present your case against someone else. Don't just go to God asking Him to bring His judgment on someone for what they've done to you. Ask Him to search your heart and help you to see the situation clearly. Ask Him to protect you from sins like bitterness and resentment and gossip. Even though it can be tempting to want to take things into our own hands and seek revenge or get even or gossip about someone, even though we might feel justified to do that in the moment, bringing our hurts to God is ultimately going to be the most helpful thing that we can do. Secondly, raise it with the person involved. If we want to experience God's healing power and the opportunity for grace and forgiveness in our community, then we need to start by bringing our offenses to one another. You know, when you read the Bible, this is a normal expectation of biblical community. But if we're honest, I think we've chosen to avoid this command. And often we fail to do this because of a fear of man and a desire for people to like us. But the truth is, that's actually just another form of sin. It's making an idol out of the approval of others and the acceptance that we gain from people liking us. Not only that, but it takes the possibility of healing and forgiveness and reconciliation off the table because we refuse to bring things up with one another. I cannot tell you how many times I've sat across the table from a brother or sister in Christ who's telling me how they've been hurt by someone in the church and how upset they are and how it hurts them and all these different things. And when I ask them, hey, are you going to are you going to talk to this person about it? They either say, ah, no, I don't think I will. Or they say, hmm, let me think about it, which really is just code for I don't want to say no right now, but that's really what I mean. So I'm just going to say, I'll think about it. Don't get me wrong. If the person in question has been abusive to you or they refuse to acknowledge what you say, then you have no obligation to continue trying with them. But by refusing to bring things up, we don't even give God the possibility of working his healing in this situation. Not only that, but often we're upset at each other for things that we don't even know that we've done. I've had brothers and sisters come to me, even close friends, people on staff, raising things with me, ways that I've hurt them or sinned against them that I wasn't even aware of. It's incredible how many misunderstandings there are in the church that could be solved by a simple yet honest conversation. Hey bro, or hey sister, you know, I just wanted to talk to you about this thing. I don't know if you realize, but you know, this really hurt me. We need to give each other the opportunity to respond with grace, confession, to apologize, to seek forgiveness. You know, I want to challenge you this morning. If you're part of our community, how real and honest are your relationships? When was the last time that one of your friends came to you or you came to one of your friends with an offense, with a grievance, 
with something that had hurt you that you want to raise with them so that you can seek forgiveness and reconciliation. And I want to suggest to you this morning that if your friends have never brought something like that to you, your friendships might not be as real and as authentic as you think they are. Because we're just not that perfect. The third step that you can take is to pursue reconciliation. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because I feel like I've kind of already delved in there with the second point. But as you're bringing things up with people, as you're seeking to address things with them, do it not to get back at them, not to get even or to get vindicated, but for the sake of reconciliation. Why? Well, because reconciliation is the heart of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us about how God has reconciled us back to himself. Even though we were the ones who grieved him, even though we are the ones who have offenses against him and sinned against him, he still made a way for us to be in right relationship with him. And because of that, by understanding how we've been reconciled to God, we ought to pursue reconciliation in our relationships with one another. The reconciliation of our relationships in the church is God's will for us. And finally, help us to be better. Help us to be better. The church might be broken, but it's beautiful in God's eyes. The church might have its fair share of issues, no doubt about that, but it is still and will always be God's chosen vessel to bring the good news of Jesus to a broken and hurting world. So if the church has failed you, don't throw in the towel. Don't deconstruct. Don't distance yourself from community or walk away from God. No, stay. Process your hurt. Pursue reconciliation and help us be better. You know, it's easier to walk away in bitterness than it is to pursue reconciliation and help the church be better. But we need you. We are the church, all of us. We don't get to be selective about that. You know, sometimes we like to say, we are the church. Whenever the church does something good that we agree with, that we like, suddenly it's this collective identity. But then when the church fails us or does something we disagree with, we like to distance ourselves. The church is out there. I hate the church. I can't believe the church did that. No, we are the church. And you are part of us. So stay. Don't give up on us. And don't give up on Jesus. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each and every person that's listening to this message this morning. I thank you that you know us, that you see our situations, and that you meet us where we are. And I pray, Father, for anyone who feels like the church has failed them, whether in the past or even now, Lord. I pray that you would meet them where they're at, Lord, and that you would bring healing and restoration. Give us the courage, Lord, and the strength to pursue reconciliation, to be an open, vulnerable, and authentic community that's honest with one another, and each of us to play our part in making the church better. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.